Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. My name is Mike Zenker and I'm glad you're taking time to join me today, either live or watching this a little later. I think it's going to be a, a great conversation for those of you who know Paul Gray. Paul Gray was a good friend. Um, uh, he had many, many good friends uh, all around the world, actually. And he passed away not long ago, and my heart's still really sad about it. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, so, something happened. We lost a good friend uh, recently, uh, connected to a number of other friends of mine online, and a person I never met in person. But I did meet Paul, and um, it made me think of him and his story. And... I looked back through all my episodes of Still Growing Grace, and we only have one time that we aired this uh, uh, interview of him sharing part of his story, his testimony. Um, and he was one of the one of the one of the guys that encouraged me that God's still at work doing stuff. Because sometimes I think I'm you know I'm in the church world, you don't see people come to Jesus the traditional way so much anymore. And so you think is God still getting people's attention? I instead see people growing and maturing like that's very exciting too and so uh, just my lens of what I see and um, what catches my attention so I wanted you to hear Paul's story uh, of how God got his attention which gives me great hope that God's big enough to get our attention so uh, let's take a look at this wonderful interview um, this was recorded three years ago so uh, a great, great time back then. So let me just get this rolling. I think you'll really enjoy this. Here we go. I heard your story, and uh, could you give us a little bit of your faith journey? Um, and make sure you slip in that musician part because I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from. Well, I grew up in a little town down on the edge of the Ozarks in Missouri. I came to the University of Kansas here in Lawrence uh, in uh, 1965. I met my wife, Kitsy, here. Uh, we got married uh, right before graduation in 1969, so we've almost been married 51 years now. And uh, uh, we had three wonderful kids and six great grandkids. Um, Two of our kids and uh, their uh, kids live here in Lawrence where we do, and the others in uh, South Carolina, so we don't get to see them quite as often, but we get to do a lot of Zoom stuff with them. Uh, my initial career was in music, uh, and I uh, did several different things with that. And then after 20 years or so, I really came up empty, and uh, that's when I, I met a guy who uh, I liked him i liked it, everything about him people liked him he was funny guy good businessman and stuff and i started hanging out with him and i asked him i told him one day guy just was so empty i i, I said uh, glenn i want what you have and he said well i'm a christian uh and i said well i i am too i go to church i vote republican i recycle <laughs> what, else, what else is there <laughs> that, that's literally what i said to it wow. so <laughs> so uh 
at any rate, uh, he said, no, no, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that, that was in, uh, I don't know, in the early 1980s. And I, I'd never heard that term before. It scared me. I, I was thinking of Moonies with shaved heads at the airport, you know, handing out stuff. And, uh, but I, I was so empty. I said, well, what do I do? And he said, I uh, said, well, do you have a Bible in today's language? And I didn't know they had them. All I knew was when I was a kid, King James. And uh, <clears throat> I said, oh, I didn't know they had them. And he said, well, he told me what to get. I got one. He said, and just read that every day, start in the book of John and ask Jesus if he's there to speak to you. So I did. And Jesus started speaking to me. And over the course of a couple of years, I did he, did uh, he sound like Charlton Heston. Well, yeah, but with the Spanish accent. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so at uh, at any rate, um, I after it took me a couple of years to divest myself of some business interest and things, and uh, then I I uh, I was discipled by a navigator. I went on staff at a, a church here in Lawrence as a, a music minister and evangelism pastor because I was on fire and. Uh, we, uh, then started our church about, well, 29 years ago, uh, and a handful of us, uh, and that church is still going. And, uh, then after, uh, about 20 years of that, um, I, uh, got a book in the mail called the rest of the gospel. And, uh, I don't yes, know. I have that book. Yeah, I don't know who sent it to me or why. There was no return address, but I started reading it. That was the first time I'd really heard about grace. Wow. Uh, there was a chapter in it on grace that was totally different than anything I had ever thought about. Uh, and that, that really changed my life. And then uh, somebody told me about Steve McVeigh and I started reading his books and listening to him. And he introduced me to Baxter Kruger. I mean, I, then I got to know Steve and he introduced me to Baxter Kruger and then Don Keithley and Paul Young and you and, uh, you know, several others. And uh, so for the last 10 or 11 years, it's just been a wonderful journey in uh, grace and inclusion, finished work of Jesus. And, and uh, I'm just, I'm still finding out every day that God's better than I thought he was the day before. That, that to me is the difference mm -hmm. of this grace journey is yeah. God's getting bigger and better all the time. Our understanding yeah. is being expanded. I love it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we uh, are. When I we had a, a nice little church here of about 250 people, and uh, we'd started a along with the doctor and a nurse, it started a medical clinic for people without insurance, which is which is still gone. I'm not involved with it anymore, but the church was doing a lot of neat things, and I started on the grace journey, and I preached it down from 250 to about 125 <laughs> over the course of a couple of years. And then when I started learning about inclusion and that, that Jesus died for everybody and everybody was included, I preached it down to about 25. Uh, but, but that group is a, a we, we've got a really strong, great group of people here who've been with us. And uh, uh, we enjoy doing life together. And then, of course, a big part of my ministry now is, uh, is online and with some books that I've written and things. So it's been a great journey. Especially in the last three or four weeks, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it's changed uh, a little bit then. One one of the great benefits of this is I get to spend a lot more time with my wife. And uh, we we do a lot more things together. And uh, we've enjoyed that. And uh, our uh, daughter and her son, our grandson, uh, live with us too. And so the four of us have uh, 
been doing a lot of neat things together. Uh, Kitsy and Jody uh, teach our grandson. Uh, they're both teachers uh, to begin with. And so we have a school room set up uh, uh, and they have three or four lessons uh, a day. And we go for walks and play games and watch movies. And uh, that part of it has been good. But I certainly do miss being out and being with people. Wow. Now, I, when I met you, you played uh, uh, an instrument I've never seen before. I've seen the instrument, but not set up the way you have it. Um, tell us about your music background. Well, I started out uh, with trumpet. Uh, I was um, a trumpet player. I played piano and drums and, uh, as well. But I, um, uh, the band that I had and, and led, I was a trumpet player. Uh, but I also uh, play valve trombone. What you saw is valve trombone. Uh, I've never seen that before. Yeah, it, used to, it, it was uh, a popular instrument back in uh, – a uh, hundred years ago and up into the 1930s, but uh, sort of fell out of favor. If you, if you can play trumpet, uh, you can play valve trombone. The fingering's the same. It's just an octave lower. And it's uh, physically, it's easier for me to play. I don't have to practice. I can play it. Well, you don't hit anybody in the head either. <clears throat> yeah, right. Uh, so <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's a, it's a lot uh, easier for me to play. And, um, and I still get to play. I play uh, not now because it's closed, but normally I play on Thursday nights at the local American Legion here with a group of guys that are all older than me. And uh, uh, we're all guys who used to uh, play, you know, for a living or had bands. We know all the old songs and uh, people uh, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. We have one lady who's 104 who comes and dances. Oh my. Uh, and, and we play, you know, music from the 40s and 50s and the big band era type thing. And so uh, that's a little outlet for me to play. And I play sometimes on, on the videos that uh, I do online too. So Good. still get to do that. That'd be cool. Uh, I haven't seen any of your online videos, but I think that right now that could be really encouraging as a, um, a mode of encouragement or escape for folks, right? When they're uh, stuck at home, stuck at their computers, especially when the weather turns bad. Uh, yesterday it was really gray here. And so I know something wrong with gray. Ha. Oh no. Sorry, Paul Gray. <laughs> it was in G-R-E-Y. And um, I just you kind of sensed it was a, a emotionally tougher for folks, you know. Sure. Not only uh, can't they go out, but now the the sky is not encouraging. Yeah. So yeah, well, we've we've kind of gotten past that. It's yesterday it was 80 here and uh, we haven't had any clouds in the sky for two or three days. <clears throat> and it'll it'll probably be uh, 78 or so again today, but, uh, that just happened recently. And a week ago or so, you know, it was rainy and dreary and gray. And, uh, actually Kitsy and I both talked about that. It just, uh, when you have to be inside and you look outside and it's gray and dreary, it, uh, it kind of amplifies that. But I tell you what, Mike, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I can't imagine going through this. Now people do, of course, uh, uh people do. And, and, uh, but I can't imagine going through this and not knowing who God is and who I am and who everybody else is uh, in God's sight. I mean, if I did, if I didn't have that ultimate hope and uh, know that he's got this uh, and he's with me and he's in me and he's working out all things for the good. If I didn't know that, uh, it, it's hard to imagine how I uh, would cope with this. Um, and I, you know, that's, that's just, well, let me, let for me, me. 
let me throw That's a twist weird. into this. You're, the way you said that, I, I know your background. I know what you've come to discover and are still discovering. Um, but I got a lot of joy boy Christians who say, "It's I've got Jesus. I'm okay. Uh, I'm not going to get the virus. I've got Jesus. I'm covered by his blood and all that, all those weird sayings. And so um, their picture of who they think God is is very different from how you have come to see God. What What has been... Some of the um, the stark differences from the God you thought you knew to the God you're discovering. What were there any key points that were a, a switch where you went, "Wait a minute, that I thought that. Whoa, now I see this. This is so much better." What do you could you recall some of those key things at this point? Well, which one of the forty nine thousand eight hundred twenty three <laughs> would you like me to focus on? <laughs> you know, I I I grew up in a uh, uh, my folks were wonderful and we grew up in a nice little town and, uh, you know, a lot of our life centered around church. It was a, uh, it, it, it was a very, uh, legalistic church. And I grew up, uh, unfortunately, um, in a, in a, a denomination that taught that you could lose your salvation if you, uh, and so we were taught that God was just always watching over us, you know, and, and my That's folks again, who yeah, and again, my folks were wonderful folks, but they, but they would say to me, they'd say to me, "Look, Paul, when you go out and play with your friends and stuff like that, you know, don't you know, uh, watch what you say and what you do, because God's watching you all the time." And then, of course, uh, if if you screw up or uh, if you don't, uh, after you screw up, if you don't pray and ask for forgiveness and you die, uh, you know, if I die before I sleep, you know, that kind of thing. Well, the first big. Um, uh, revelation that I had was that that's not true. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I started the, when I became a pastor and the church I was at, they taught that too, but I, I was studying the Bible all the time. I was reading things about that just, uh, and this was 30 years ago that just jumped out at me that, um, you know, you know, Jesus is the savior of all people, you know, all are included, the restoration and all. And so I, I, um, well, no, I, di I didn't get that at first, but uh, the first thing I got was, no, you, you can't lose your salvation. He's not in and out and in and out and in and out. It doesn't depend on me. So that that was a huge thing. And then once I, I started realizing that uh, that everybody was, well, first, then when I started realizing that grace was uh, uh, way better than I thought it was and that it literally included everything and that uh, you know, there wasn't anything that I could do to make God love me any more or any less, uh, that was huge. And the, the, the hugest thing for me was when I started, uh, when I got the revelation of, well, that's true for everybody. That's not just true for me. And but so today, who, who did you have the most kickback from for that one? Because if, if that's true, um, who's going to be most ticked off to hear that or when you say that? Oh, well, of course, religious people. Uh, and, and they're not the enemy. You know, they're, no, they're, uh, not. they're, they're just misinformed and, and ill-advised. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I, I was... You know, I was that way. I, I taught that kind of stuff. But I think that leads up to, to where we are today with the, uh, the virus thing. If you um, if you believe that uh, you're your own savior, and by that I mean something you did got you saved, uh, and uh, Listen, uh, that I you're said, I said the perfect prayer many times. Yeah, well, I heard you say that, and you missed one word, so I, I wouldn't sleep well if I were you tonight, especially in Canada, because I don't know—I don't even know if anybody in Canada is saved, you know. 
<laughs> no, yeah, you know, in that in that foolish the kind of stuff that we thought. Uh, but uh, if 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 um, if you thought that. Um, as many of us did, that there was something that we did uh, that got us right with God. And just like you said, well, of course, we did it right because, uh, you know, our pastor and our teachers told us the right thing to say and do. Well, then, um, you, you you know, you have you just automatically think, well, those people didn't. And so they're not right. And then what I think what the, the hardest uh all of this is is the uh, the picture, the concept, or the perspective we have of God. Uh, when you come to understand that God is perfectly good and all good, there's no dark side to him. There's nothing bad to him. That God loves everyone, and that Jesus is the exact representation of God. When when you start to realize that. Uh, then you the, the angry God concept goes away and you start peeling away the layers of all of that you thought. Uh, and so then you're, you're no longer worried. You're, you're, you're able to see people as Jesus sees them, uh, already included, already loved, know that uh, uh, it's up to him and to his timing and uh, you don't have to worry about him. Well, that changes everything. But until you, until you see that, if you think you've got to do something, then people... Uh, tend to exploit times like this and go to somebody who who's worried about the virus already and say, well, uh, if you were to get the virus and die tonight, do you know where you would go? Oh, my goodness. And that you know, that, that kind of stuff is, um, uh, wow. And, you know, and I, and I see that stuff uh, online and I see people saying, well, you know, God caused all of this because, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, uh, all of that. So for one thing, uh, my whole perspective is different and and i have that peace you know i don't uh uh i, I don't care if i die today or tomorrow or uh, whenever that you know death is uh death affects the people who are still here you know and when when our loved ones die of course we're sad we miss them and and miss being with them and all of that you know and i'm, I'm not saying that i want to die but i'm not i'm not worried about it and i'm not i don't uh, obsess over it I, I really don't even think about it However, if, if you don't have that concept, uh, I think the, the basis of all fear when you really get right down to it is death. You know, if I, if I get this virus and I die, then, then what happens? So, or the if, death, so the death isn't really the issue. It's actually destination obsession. Destination, yeah. If I lose my business because of this and don't have enough money to pay my bills and, and provide for my family and food and stuff and we die, then what? Now, I, I know I'm, I'm being over, overly dramatic there, but I, I think that's, that's what it, it boils down to. And you're, so you're not being overly dramatic because everybody that's quarantined, their brains have nothing else to do but race ahead. And that's why I kind of, I want to bring you on this morning to talk about that, you know, th this whole crisis and where, how do we keep our heads straight uh, without going too crazy? You know? Sure. Well, when we, when we race ahead and uh, you know, I, I can do that uh, with the best of them. Uh, I don't do it nearly as much as I used to, but uh, you know, fear about something that we did in the past that might affect us with God or worrying about something in, in the future. I found it, God is never in that picture. When I start to to worry uh, and catastrophize about the future or whatever, 
I don't think about God being in that picture. I mean, I mean, I just don't. And that's because he doesn't live in the future. He lives in the now. He's he's where he's here with us now. And so when you when you start to worry about the future and you go down that trail, well, what if I get sick? What if I go to the hospital? What if I what if I what if my wife goes to the hospital and I can't even go visit her and she dies there and I can't go to the funeral and all of that? You know, uh, that that's enough to. Just, I mean, thinking about things like that is going to take you down the tubes. Well, uh, I don't want that to happen. I wouldn't like that to happen. I'd be sad if, obviously, if anything like that happened. But uh, I'm not going to worry about that because I know God's with me. I, I you know, I'm, God's not going to protect me from getting the virus because, you know, I spent an hour in my quiet time this morning or uh, anything like that. I mean, you know, you're stuff happens. Short, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of dieseling on here, but just the whole concept of, of knowing that God is good. He loves me. He loves everybody. He's working out all things for the good. The ultimate restoration of all things is going to happen. It just takes all, all the pressure off. And then I, you know, I can go on and I can uh, enjoy uh, what I'm doing, even if I can't go out and do the things that I would normally like to do. Do you think that um, our built-in cubby holes of expectations that we have in our minds uh, contribute to the stress of fear right now? Um, like you, you just finished saying, oh, if I get sick, you know, uh, my, I want my loved one there, but they can't come. And if I die, they can't, you know, there isn't a funeral. Those are all expectations that we say and have made up in our minds. These are things we ought to be able to do. And now the fear of those things potentially not happening, uh, create anxiety. So if I boil it down even more, I think expectations, personal ones, and mine are being revealed day by day. Uh, I think those are what's causing unnecessary stress. And we need to yield and surrender those things up and say, hang on, God, I know you got this. You're not absent from this problem, which religion will say God is absent because if you're good, he's with you. If you're bad, he's not, he's not with you, right? Because yeah. we have too much control of where God is. <laughs> yeah. You know? What do you um, think of expectations there? Well, <clears throat> no, I, I, I agree with you. You know, what I'm learning to do, Mike, and, uh, <clears throat> and what I – I think the biggest thing that I try to help – I try to help people um, come to the realization of the truth of who God is, who they are, who everybody else is, and then to live life – uh, as Jesus did <clears throat> by uh, on by taking everything uh, to him and saying, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, okay, Jesus, I'm <laughs> you're getting the last drop. Saying, Jesus, you know, I'm starting to, you know, and, and we got to be aware of the moment of what's going on. And Jesus, I'm starting to worry about this right now. What do you want me to know about it? Oh, you're and, being honest. And then to listen. Yeah. And then to listen, and uh, it, my understanding of what obedience is has really changed. It's not keeping a set of laws or whatever. It's doing what he asks you to say and do in that given moment. So if I go to him and say, oh, Jesus, you know, I'm getting concerned. Uh, we're having to live stream the church. We don't have, uh, uh, you know, people tend to not give unless they're there in person. What Am I going to have an income next month or whatever? Then, I mean, I can go down that track uh but if i stop and say jesus here's here's what i'm thinking what do you want what are you what are you saying to me what do you want me 
to know and what do you want me to do? You know, uh, and then it's up to him. And I find him saying most of the time, come on, Paul, I've provided for you for 73 years. You know, remember when you, uh, uh, all these different times that he's provided income in uh, ways that I never, ever would even imagine. I, I remember one time we were <clears throat> at, a, at a period of time when uh, we weren't sure where our income was going to come from, and we had this friend who used to go to our church who's since moved away to another state, and he just was playing around one time. He had some time. He was playing around on the Internet. He went to the state of Kansas and looked up unclaimed funds, and he found my name on the list, and he found that there was like $4,000 in an unclaimed fund from an insurance thing that I didn't even know that I'd gotten, that I got, and they sent it to the wrong address. And it had been there for, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something like that. Oh. And he, he did all the, the stuff for me, just showed me where to go. I sent that in, and I got a check in a few days. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, so what, what I've done, uh, and this, this is just me, it may not be for anybody else, but... I keep a list of all of those things. I got a couple of sheets of paper that are just totally full front and back of different times that God has provided for me in ways that I never could have even imagined. And so uh, when I start to worry about something, generally he'll remind me of something like that. Uh, or once in, once in a great Reminds while. You of the previous provisions. Yeah. One, once in a great while he'll say, you know, Go do this or go do that, and you know. And there's maybe something that he wants me to do, to uh, uh, bring about to access the provision that he's given me. <clears throat> but most of the time, it's just you know, trust me in this. Mm -hmm. We've my wife and I have experienced that our entire marriage. Um, we've had crises come. We've had bills that were really high that hit us, blindsided us, and for some reason. Out of the blue comes this other place where there's some cash that we didn't know about or uh, an extra check came in or I don't know. It, you can't plan it. And yeah. people want to plan it. That's where I hear anxiety go up. They want to plan their next step in the event of a crisis. That's not how life works. You, you can't plan the next outcome. And so we, we've got a, this kind of record in our head of what we have seen or at least the pattern of God's provision. So I, I even look at the Israelites in the Old Testament. They've they built up these rocks, these these piles of rocks where God they they said at this place this this is a reminder where God provided. And so for generations, the next bunch of generations, they walk past this pile of rocks. They'll know what that is. So for you, you've got your list, and that's a way to remember which gives you um uh what do you call it? You have a um. Ah, you get to look at it and be reminded, oh my goodness, God is good. He does provide. And in ways I could never have planned. Will right. he come through again? I believe so. Yeah. And, you know, and that's uh, obviously that's called trust. And I'm learning that there's a big difference between belief and trust. I, I can believe that there's a God and I can believe that he's good. But until I trust him to be good for me, to provide for me, to take care of me. Um, it needs a pattern, right? Right. So right. the Christianese phrase, you need to trust God, is almost unfair. Right? Like when we tell people you need to trust God, 
I'm just I'm just thinking out loud now because of the way we're how we're this conversation's going. It's not fair for us to Im- impose uh, a statement like that on people. We can, you know, Bible does say trust the Lord your God. Great, but to make it a guilt trip, no. Oh, no, not at all. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's yeah. a fine line here. There's two ways to see the same sentence. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it took me a while to see where you're going. But yeah, that's true. And and if you, uh, it's hard to trust God if you don't have a track record of him providing. Or if he's ticked off all the time. Or if what? If you think he's ticked off all the time. Oh, of course. You're never going to, you're never going to trust a God that's, that's capricious and changes his mind and schizophrenic and uh, does he like me today or not, you know? And, um, well, you, you started off today by sharing uh, part of your journey of faith and how does that fit into the context of this crisis? If your concept of God is one who is distant, only helps out the good people, this crisis is going to scare the daylights out of you. But if you get to know this God that we say, the one we're talking about, uh, the Abba Papa who lives in us, the full Trinity living in through us as with us in every moment, feeling our feelings, uh, whispering love and hope into our minds at all times, this crisis, we, we can get through this one, right? But if well, you're of course. God, oh my goodness, you're going to live your life based on your concept of who you think God is. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why our our perception, our concept of God, really is uh, everything, and um, it, it it just is everything. And unfortunately, uh, so many people have a wrong concept of what God is like. Absolutely. And, but you know what? Uh, it, during this crisis, uh, you know, we we obviously we have the opportunity, and this is what I've been saying to our folks here: we have the opportunity uh, to. Go to people, uh, anybody. Uh, first of all, if if this is real for us, if we believe it, then other people are going to see us not worrying, not complaining, not catastrophizing. Um, they're going to see the peace of Christ in us and not be able to. Ex- exactly. Yeah. You're right. And they're going to see, what, why aren't you worried about all this? Well, so then we have the opportunity to say, look, I, I, I've got this peace in me. Because I've come to understand that God is totally good. Mm. He's, he's absolutely good. There's nothing bad about him. Uh, he's not angry. Uh, uh, he, he loves us. And, and this, is, this is for you, too. No, I mean, not just for me. This is for God has never been angry with you. He knew you before uh, he created anything. Uh, he, he, he's always loved you. He's never been disappointed in you. He, he's uh, for you in every possible way. Of course, God's disappointed with us. Well, people, you know, people ask me that and I say, well, look, God is, is omniscient. He knows everything. I mean, if he knows what you're going to do tomorrow, is he going to be disappointed that you do it? No, no. I mean, he, 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 it's expectation. Yeah. Disappointment means literally failed expectation. Right. Exactly. I had, I had a couple walk out of my church service at the end of the service when I declared God's not disappointed with you. They physically stood up, stormed out. They were ticked. But when you realize that God doesn't have an expectation on us, yeah, um, that we can actually just live day to day. Even in this crisis, 
um, moment by moment, instant by instant, living while we abide. Um, Catherine Toon just read, uh, said something here on online. I like this. It's an invitation to remember how wild he is about you. That is the reason we can trust. And I think that's a key. You were talking about that, like laying the foundation of who this God is we say we believe yeah. in. Yeah, and when, when we can, when we have the opportunity, obviously, to do that all the time, but now in this situation, uh, when when we can when we can say to somebody, uh, he is he's wild about you. You you may not have ever heard this. You may not even believe there is a God. You may not. Uh, uh, you may believe differently. But let me tell you, he's wild about you. He loves you. He's always loved you. He's working all this out for the good. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. Uh, and uh, and to, to tell them that that's already true, as mm -hmm. opposed to saying, well, you know, where are you going to go if you die tonight? You <laughs> that whole fear mongering. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we have a completely different perspective of God, ourselves, and other people. And that I uh, that gives not only me hope, but that gives everybody that we talk to hope. Now, it doesn't mean that they'll catch it and they'll understand it uh, right away, but uh, some will. Some, you know, it's all a, a process. But it's a completely different way to relate to people, and it is it does give them absolute uh, hope. Otherwise, they'll wonder. Well, okay, did I did I really mean it when I said it, or did I get the right words, or uh, wh whatever? All of those things. Yeah. Uh, the the ultimate fear is fear of I believe fear of death. When you understand perfect love, cast that fear out uh, because you know that there's not going to be any punishment for you or for anybody else because fear has to do with punishment and torment. When you understand perfect love when you know perfect love that fear is gone and it changes everything well, when you have fear you're displaying that you're not free kyle butler just wrote if we're not free we're not living you know yeah. he's right that that's yeah. totally true so yeah. man and, and rainy he says his love consumes us well yes and it's a fire that consumes us it's a fire of his love you know, I think the hardest thing for me to to learn and believe, not learn, but believe and trust was that God is love because I always had the but attached to it, you know, yeah. but also this he's also that. But when I discover the essence oh, of man. DNA is a yeah. God other centered, my trust for him grew, not because of a list I was checking, but because I began inside me to believe better and better. So I think when we want to, mm -hmm. if you want to trust Jesus better, get to know him better. Well, of you course, yeah. Become a reality in us. It's not yeah. a work. It's no. a result of belief. Malcolm Smith helped me with that more than anybody else. You know, he, I, I've since got to know him, but uh, before I got to know him, I, I actually, I just heard different people quote this from him, but you know, he said, uh, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, if I have water, I can run out of water, but if I am water, oh, I will never run out of water. And God is love. He will never run out of love. Uh, it, it will never, it will never go away. It's 
All right, there endeth the conversation for today. Um, I pulled that clip out of an interview from three years ago. Um, there's a lot more going on, but not not his testimony stuff. But that was an encouraging conversation for me. I hope that was encouraging to you too. Uh, I wanted to give honor and tribute to my old friend Paul and uh, Kitsy. I uh, love you and uh, I love the group. Uh, um, I think the Facebook group is still going strong. They're still meeting regularly. Um, grace to all uh, on Facebook. Um, but anyway, I, that was what I wanted to do today, share that story because there's a number of things I wanted to rehear. Um, and actually, I, I caught some uh, reminders today that I forgot about. Uh, just maybe that's what I needed. I don't know. Well, hopefully you were encouraged by that as well. Um, we're probably going to come back to the stuff we started last week. Uh, looking at those uh, forgotten pieces of good news that we've learned. And Paul alluded to some of those today. Um, things that we um, transitioned or grew from, we can't forget some of those those topics and themes and where we used to be in our faith journey. And I think when we do that, it helps us to be patient and caring with others. I like what he said, people who are religious are not the enemy. People who are religious are not the enemy. And I thought, oh man, that's sometimes hard to remember that because we we bump into folks that use religion as a legalistic tool to push people to do stuff and guilt them and shame them, but they still are not the enemy. Uh, that belief system is, and that's different. So I think we need to still see people as in, not out. I think we need to see people as loved, not can be loved if they say a special prayer. That was really cool. Anyway, that's all I got today. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Share this with anybody that uh, uh, would value hearing a really cool testimony. We will catch you next time. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.